You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 838 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Friday evening, and I will be joined by Adam Modis of Locked On Nuggets and DNVR Sports momentarily to discuss Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and other offseason-related crossover stuff between the Hawks and the Denver Nuggets. Before we get to Adam, though, a couple of newsy things to knock out to open the show, first of which was announced on Friday. Hawks owner Tony Ressler was named to the first-ever board of directors for the NBA Foundation. The board has eight members, uh, including two players, and they are Harrison Barnes and Tobias Harris. Then there are our four owners, wrestler Larry Tenenbaum of the Raptors, Gail Benson of the Pelicans, and Michael Jordan, representing those uh, and then the owners, I guess the owner's interest, and also Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts will round out that eight-member panel. The foundation was announced actually back in early August with the NBA and its teams pledging $30 million annually with the goal to create and drive economic empowerment in the black community. And the board of directors, according to the release, is in place to, quote, provide strategic direction with respect to programming and grant making, as well as to oversee the organization's activities, working directly with all 30 teams and their governors to support and facilitate sustainable initiatives in team markets, end quote. So only eight teams are represented here, and the Hawks are one of them. So that's a pretty interesting and cool thing for Tony Russell to be a part of. Wanted to go ahead and, and tell you about that here at the top of the podcast. The other thing that was sort of newsy from this week, and that was definitely not a huge deal by any means, but I wrote about it on pstrips.com. People were asking me to talk about it a little bit on the podcast. So here we are. Um, but online released their NBA championship odds for next season before the season even is even over. That came in on Wednesday. Um, before anything else, I have to say this, it's obviously way too early to really care about this, especially for teams that are not necessarily expected to be title contending teams. For next year, like the Hawks, uh, granted, we're all expecting um, some some improvement to be sure, but no one's projecting at this moment in time some title title contention next year for Atlanta. But regardless, it's also only one sportsbook releasing this, so others to follow, I am sure. At any rate, the Hawks are one hundred to one, according to the title odds there from Bet Online. That that actually puts the Hawks in a tie with the Pacers, the Bulls, and the Wizards, all of which are Eastern Conference teams, which I think is pretty noteworthy in some respects. Also. Um, Atlanta's also tied for 19th overall with those teams, and the Hawks are uh, given the same uh, sort of in the same group with the Pacers, Bulls, and Wizards in terms of the Eastern Conference odds at 33 to one. It's noteworthy to me that only six teams, yes, six teams in the East are listed with better odds than the Hawks, and it's the Bucks, the Celtics, the Nets with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, the Heat, the Raptors, and the Sixers. And that tells you everything you need to know, honestly, about Atlanta's playoff goal for next year. Not that it's going to be a foregone conclusion by any means, but Teams like the Pacers and the Bulls and the Wizards and the Magic are all sort of in that same kind of uh, morass, I would say. Obviously, a lot has to happen. It's something I want to point out. The roster is going to be different than it, uh, in a few months than it is now for a lot of these teams, but especially for the Hawks. The Hawks have a top six pick. They have a ton of cast base. They're going to do something. It may, not, it may not be a huge splash, but there will be a different roster dynamic in some respects in the next couple of weeks. But it's still too early to talk about all of that. Um, but still, you know, it's shakeups are coming. I think it's kind of instructive, though, especially for, through the prism of just the hierarchy of the East. There are that there are those top six teams right now, but everybody else is sort of in the same boat to varying degrees. And the Hawks are definitely in a position, I think, to rise up and compete. And of course, they've been talking pretty openly about the playoffs in the last couple of weeks and months. So there you go on that. 
Okay, before we get to Adam, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and it's the good folks at Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it every day with Go. Built Go, Built Go is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is anything but fake. Instead, it's both lasting and natural. Built Go is easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, your golf bag, or your pocket to get you through whatever you're facing today. Built Go is essentially a five-hour energy without the same feeling of a crash. Plus, it's natural and it's better for the body as a result. There are three delicious flavors to choose from with chocolate mint, peanut butter honey, and chocolate coconut. And Built Go is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. Listeners to the podcast will know that I have multiple jobs and different things to account for during a typical week. But sometimes... I need something a little bit extra to get through the day and the night. Boat Go is a fantastic solution to breaking through my own wall. In fact, I had one earlier today, and it's still working its magic. In order to try it for yourself, work, visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED to get 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. One final note here before we get to Adam. If you missed it earlier this week, I had a similar discussion with Greg Wissinger on the Kings and some Hawks crossover stuff in advance of free agency and the trade market. So that's definitely worth checking out as sort of a backdrop to this conversation. But in the, in the same mold with Adam, by the way, it was, it was recorded on Thursday afternoon. So keep that in mind as well. Nothing's really changed since then, but I always want to tell you when I record the podcast. And without further delay, here's my conversation with Adam Morris. I am joined now by a genuine Denver Nuggets insider. Adam Modis is here. Hello, sir, and thank you for spending part of your day with me. Glad to be doing it, man. This is we were talking a little bit before, but this is my first off-season like podcast, so this feels weird. This is shifting gears. Yeah, I'm very jealous of the run you got to cover with the Nuggets. Uh, I've been in off-season mode for quite some time. This is a very off-season podcast, but uh, I did. Uh, we, we we discussed this previously, and it was like uh, I guess I should give you a couple couple days or at least a couple weeks <laughs> off in between the uh, season and talking about free agency because uh, you've just arrived at this point. I have just arrived. I have to ask you a question though, and this is this is where sports suck and the way we talk about them suck. But a lot of people, or maybe not a lot of people, some people. Look at that. Was it 2016 Atlanta Hawks team? That was the 60 win one. Was 20, that the one? 2015. Yeah. 2015. And it's like almost like it's become a punchline. Like that was an awesome team that that did great. And now it's if you're a, if you're a team that people don't believe in, they'll say like, oh, I think they're just the Hawks or the Raptors. Like they'll <laughs> compare that. So I don't I don't mean to say this in any kind of derogatory way because I think losing to LeBron James in the playoffs that's what happens to almost every team. But do you feel like? One, that year, I mean, how how do you look, look back on that year? And then also just do you see comparisons between that team and this Denver team, or do you think Denver looks meaningfully different? I think that uh, looking back on it, I agree. Like, it's, especially nationally, I feel like it's a punchline, which is frustrating. It's so you know, dumb. It's the best team in Hawks history, too, in Atlanta history, anyway, uh, since they moved from St. Louis you know, right. de- decades ago. So that that's frustrating too to have the, the best team in franchise history essentially be written off in that way. And I see those comparisons I, even within the fan base. It's sometimes a punchline. It's kind of divided in that way. Mm. But that was a that was all. It's kind of a weird group in that they weren't super young. So it wasn't like they you know they, they kind of just caught lightning in a bottle. They were not supposed to be as good as they were that year. But they also didn't. And comparing them to the Nuggets, you know, they didn't have Jokic as a like super duper star guy. They didn't have Murray right. as this young rising guy. It was a bunch of vets, kind of perfectly fitting together and they had some like star level guys not superstar like Al Horford and Paul Millsap were stars like all stars but not incredible number one option offensive guys so I can sort of see it and that they had the passing and all that stuff and sort of that free willing offense but um, I think if you're a, a Nuggets fan the it's more of an a ascent whereas that yeah. Hawks team like I think everyone including people that bought that team like me 
knew that it wasn't going to be fully replicable because they just kind of had everything going at, at, at one time. It felt like a one year. This was our ch- this was our window kind of thing. Then kind of. I mean, especially yeah. and they got unlucky too along the way. We don't have to do the whole thing, but they got <laughs> they got they got, they got injured and uh, slowed down late and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah. it did not that they were going to fall off entirely because they were still pretty good the next year, but not quite the same. So right. Alas, uh, I'm jealous of you and uh, the ascent the ascent team that you're that you're covering. But the Hawks oh. do have young guys, so I'm uh, encouraged by their yeah. direction overall as well. But anyway, I, I brought you here to talk about a couple of free agent names. Well, one of which is maybe a free agent, I think likely to be a free agent. And uh, we'll start there. I, I sometimes, sometimes bury the lead on these, but I'll start with the uh, high-profile guy first. Okay. And that is, uh, that's, Jer- that's Jeremy Grant. So before we get into the contract stuff and the free agency stuff, I want to ask you about Grant as a player because yeah. uh, because there's been some rumblings about him opting out. And there was a Hawks rumor with uh, from Mike Singer. Um, people were asking me, and I, I talked about him a little bit, but you've seen him a lot more than I have. So what is Jeremy Grant? Who is Jeremy Grant? And what would a team be getting if he were to lead the Nuggets? So here's what I think is interesting about him, because he's here's how I would put it. I think he's a real perfect fit for what the Nuggets are for, for the Denver Nuggets. Fits with Jokic really well as a floor spacer, can guard a bunch of different positions. Um, and then he fits with Michael Porter, I think, very well in that neither one of those guys are small forwards or power forwards. They're, some, they're just sort of like good on, at, on one end of the court. They're good in one spot and bad on the other. And they complement each other very, very well. What I think is interesting with Jeremy Grant is he had a really good, I think, final two games in the playoffs. You know, Denver loses, of course, uh, to, to the Lakers, but he plays well in those final two games. And I think a lot of people are looking at him and thinking that he's like the savior, like he fits on every team. And what's interesting about him is if you look at the advanced stats, he's a negative player. He has a 14.4 PER. Of course, PER 15 is average in the league. That's how it's calculated. Box plus minus is negative 0.5. And that's been consistent throughout his entire career. And I think, you know, catch-all stats obviously don't tell you everything. But I think he's a player that has some real big limitations and is really good at very narrow, narrowly defined things, which makes him a great role player in specific situations. Of course, not all role players are good in all situations. Jeremy Grant averages 3.5 rebounds per game this season. 3.5. Um, you know, he he shoots the ball really well from a standstill sort of set shot, but he's not you're not, not really creating anything off of that. He's just a standstill floor spacer. So, I think he's a really really good role player. But like most role players, he fits with some teams and not with others. And that's why I'm I'm a little skeptical, more skeptical than others, that teams like Atlanta and Phoenix are going to just back up the, the Brinks truck for him because he's not saving a bad team. And he's I don't even know if he's getting like a good team to be great. I think he just fits on a great team as one of the guys that sort of plugs holes. Yeah, he's definitely a supporting piece. And, you know... <laughs> It's hard sometimes if you're an outside team like the Hawks or the Suns, like you referenced, teams that are uh, trying to be better in the future. And he's not old, but he's not you know incredibly young. He's, he's not really a prospect yeah. anymore. He's he's more of an established guy. Um, He'll be to, 27. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, season. to pay that guy real money, and that's what it's going to take. I'm going to ask you in a second what it's going to take, maybe, but uh, to give that guy real money is not going to like move the needle. He definitely would help the Hawks. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He would add depth. He can play multiple positions, as you said, but he's not going to transform them in a way that people might want a guy that they're paying that kind of money to so that's a good sort of baseline of what he is I mean transitioning a little bit are you assuming like everyone else is that he's going to opt out because of that it's I believe it's 9.3 million dollar player option I'm assuming he's going to opt out but do you have anything different on that or should we assume that (laughs) well I think we should assume it and I think he actually I think it's been reported that that was his plan so yeah I saw um, that somewhere I think it was Mike Singer or somebody like that but yeah so I'm, I'm I'm almost certain and he'll get I mean it makes sense and one of the reasons I'm pretty 
I don't want to say confident, but I'm more confident than not that he will land in Denver. Is one reason you opt out is you're going to end up getting a four year deal, and that the four years is the part that gives him more security than anything else. Yeah, I mean, my general baseline is like if you're his agent, there's no chance he's getting less than that. So it's it's time to opt out. Like you might, right, you might as well try right. to strike when the iron's hot here and and do what you're going to do. So this is an interesting situation, and in that the Nuggets, who are a good team, they just made a run to the NBA's Final Four. Um, they probably want to bring him back. So I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you, like, is he the number one priority? this offseason mm. for the Nuggets because if that's the case they have his bird rights they can pay him whatever he wants um that would obviously be a situation that would be uh I would say treacherous for other teams trying to get him because if the Nuggets want him back it would probably take a pretty significant overpay to get him uh, no doubt about it and you know teams can get you know kind of uh, kind of smart with Denver and, and maybe try to like raise that price on him and I think that's more likely to be the thing that happens this summer or offseason rather than anything else, because he is their top priority. I think if they would have lost in the first round to the Utah Jazz, their top priority might have been a Drew Holiday, a Bradley Beal, you know, some kind of, all right, it's time to move on and, and mix things up and bring in some more um, high-end talent. But because they went to the Western Conference Finals, because specifically they beat the Clippers to get there, a very good, you know, a team with a lot of top-end talent, I think they look at their roster and say, okay, Jamal Murray is becoming that guy. Jokic is already that guy. Michael Porter, big, huge wild card. Love all our, our pieces. Jeremy Grant unlocks that. So if you look at Jokic and Porter together, they, they have some real weaknesses. I mean, offensively, they can be incredibly dynamic. I think they can be the best offense in the NBA next year if everything breaks right for them. But defensively, those are two... At best, neutral defenders. I mean, Porter, there was a lot made of how bad his defense was, but I think just being 6'10 with you know a 40-inch vertical gives you a lot. Um, and then Jokic, I think, better positionally. But ne- neither of those guys are like elite defenders. You've got to have somebody in between them that, that's, that can defend, and that's Jeremy Grant. So he means a lot to Denver. I think they're 100% going to do whatever they can to bring him back. But like I said, other teams, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody gets with his agent and says, hey, we're willing to do this price, make Denver go above it. Yeah, so they have multiple free agents, but he is, uh, he's the best of them, I would imagine. And I don't know, being, with having his bird rights, they can kind of do whatever they want to do there. Uh, are there any tax concerns? I know like Denver is not a market that you would associate with the tax. Are they going to be uh, worried too much at a certain price? Or uh, I'm basically asking you, like, what do you think the likelihood is that he actually gets out of Denver, um, barring some crazy offer from somewhere else? Uh, none. I mean, I think it really just comes down to whether somebody goes, you know, offers him a crazy deal that would would hand, you know, hamstring Denver going forward. What what, because, what is a crazy deal, by the way? Like like twenty million a year? Is that too yeah, much? Yeah, I think that's yeah, I think that's crazy. To me, that's crazy. I mean, again, he's a really good role player, but teams get into trouble when they pay role players that kind of money. Denver has kind of run into this with Gary Harris a little bit. He signed a deal after his best Gary Harris did after his two best seasons coming off his rookie scale contract. And immediately it was, you know, he didn't grow. He actually went backwards a little bit. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's a role player. He's really good at it. But you pay a guy $20 million to be a role player. And that's really hard to get superstars on your team. I think Jeremy Grant would be exactly like that. He's a really good role player. And you have to have those. And sometimes you have to overpay a little bit. But to me, overpaying a little bit is probably $16 million a year. That's That, to me, is probably too much for a Jeremy Grant, uh, Grant's like, you know, value in a vacuum. Of course, it means a little more to Denver, so they'll go up to do it. But, um, yeah, to me, at like $20 million, he's not a $20 million per year player. And I love him. I think his talent is incredible. Yeah, it's kind of what I thought. I mean, 
my most recent example with the Hawks is a little bit different, obviously, but um, Tim Hardaway Jr., they were, they were going to match on. They were planning to match on him um, when, he, when he went to the Knicks, and the Knicks gave an offer to Hardaway that the entire league was like, what are you doing? Um, right. And that's the only way that the Hawks weren't going to match. I mean, I had that on pretty good authority. They were planning to match anything reasonable, and they just got an unreasonable offer. And that happens sometimes, yeah, but if, exactly. I'm the Haw- if I'm the Hawks, I would not want to pay what it would take at least from listening to you to get Jeremy Grant. Like if it's $16 million a year and the Nuggets have to match that, right. you assume they will at 16 ish. Right. So right. anything more than that, like no thanks probably. So, and some of this comes down to where you are, like a young team, if they don't have contracts on the books, you know, coming up, maybe they can get crazy with a three-year deal because you think, okay, the first two years we have money to spend, he's going to unlock, you know, certain talents from our key players. And then in the third year, he'll be a tradable contract or expiring or whatever. So, um, you know, maybe something comes like that. But th- th- if you ask me what my concern was with Jeremy Graham, my concern is that the Knicks have cap space, the Suns have <laughs> cap space, the Hawks have cap space. Does it make sense, in my opinion, for any of those teams to do it? No. But do I trust those teams, those three teams specifically, to do things that make sense? Not necessarily. Yeah, I, I think it would be, at least with teams like the Suns and the Hawks that have nucleuses that are young, I can sort of see it. I wouldn't overpay. If, if you're the Knicks yeah. and you give him... What's the what's the plan? I mean, the Knicks are always right. Right. The, the Knicks are the Knicks, but that one makes no sense. Like, pay. And I saw I saw I think a clutch points graphic from this just yesterday that said something. It was like Russell. Yeah, it was like Knicks plan this off season question mark. And it was like Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, I can't even remember who the other players were. And I was just thinking like. Do people realize this is exactly what the Knicks do all the time? <laughs> it's the yeah, worst thing I mean, at, le- at least with at least with like Westbrook stuff or Chris Paul stuff, you can say, all right, they they get a star, they sell some tickets, all that stuff. If you're gonna yeah. sign Jeremy Grant to what it would take to get him out of Denver, right. and you're the Knicks, like I don't even know what that's about. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think that paints a pretty clear pretty clear picture. Obviously, it's all related, but the other guy I wanted to ask you about mainly is Paul Millsap, who plays a similar mm. position to Jeremy Grant, and they're both free agents. And it sounds like Grant, as he should be, is the bigger priority. Do you think Paul's going to get out of town this offseason? Obviously, the Hawks don't, like, quote-unquote, need Paul Millsap, but because he was here before, <laughs> Hawks yeah, fans yeah. like him. I've, I've always loved Paul, frankly, and they could use that that veteran voice. Like, is he a priority to bring back now at this point? Because it's getting kind of crowded, it feels like, in that front court. Um, I, th- I think he's I – I wouldn't call him a priority. I, I think Denver would be smart to bring him back, and I think he wants to be back. I mean, he's got kids. You know, he people don't realize he actually grew up in Denver. Yep. And then, so he's, it's a little bit of a homecoming for him. I mean, he moved kind of young in life. I think he was 11 or 12 when he moved, uh, moved away. But, um, you know, his kids are now here. I just think when you're at this age, you look at it, does, if you go to like a Golden State or a Miami, do you have a meaningfully better chance of winning a championship than you do if you stay in Denver? You're probably going to have the same role. You already have the familiarity. To me, it just makes sense that he would try to stay here. And I think Denver wants to bring him back. It, probably at a really low number. They paid him $90 million over the last three years, which I think everybody would agree was an overpay. And I always thought that that $90 million contract was a little bit of a, hey, at the end of this, we'll make up for it on the backside with doing you know something, something smaller. So that's kind of how I expect it to play out. But if Denver lost Millsap, I don't think it would be the end of the world. I do think they would be a little bit worse, and I think they would miss his presence in the locker room. But um, I, I just think it again, maybe I'm being too optimistic here, but I, I think it's going to work out for both sides where he's just back on a lower deal. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think uh, people 
largely ignored that when he went to Denver because because Denver paid him a lot of money. It was like, okay, that's a lot of money. But Paul seems to like it there and wanted to go back to Denver. He's he's an interesting guy um, and doesn't necessarily. Yeah. I can't see Paul like blindly ring chasing unless that's his only option. It doesn't seem like a guy who's going to do right. that. So I feel like uh, Denver is the most likely spot for him. Doesn't mean he's going to stay for sure. And if you're the Hawks. This is just my opinion, but you don't pay, you don't, you don't outbid someone for Paul at this point in time because you, you, right. you don't, you don't need him. He'll be 36. I love him um, unconditionally, but not a guy that you go out and overpay for. So I think he might stay, of course, in Denver, but I feel like, I feel like I had to ask you because it's kind of in conjunction too. If they, if they keep Grant at a lot of money, they have to probably cut some money somewhere else, I assume, because of the tax thing. Um, is that going to be something that they're like going to refuse to do? That's sort of the, the very national question, but are you right. worried that this team is going to like hit its ceiling on money and actually hurt itself because of that? I don't think this summer, but I think what this summer signals more than anything is Denver setting up for the future. I mean, Michael Porter is the one that I, I think Nuggets fans view this as a Jokic-Murray team, and with Michael Porter becoming a big three here very in short order, at least that's the hope. I think that's the most likely path to like a true title contention. And so I think a lot of what happens this summer is setting up the table for you to go into the tax in years to come. Maybe this is the last year you're not, but you've sort of structured things so you can add pieces that will take you into the tax. So I don't think it's so much this year, and I don't think there's any player I look at and think, oh, they're not going to bring that guy back because of that. But it is, I think, important for them to sort of play some 4D chess here and set up their contracts in a way that allows them to allow that sets them up for the next two or three years. Yeah, that makes sense. And the other guys who are for agents, uh, all, uh, Nuggets fan favorite Mike Malone, fan, Mike Malone favorite Mason Plumley, I think, is a free agent. Uh, <laughs> I think he might be back. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure Mike Malone would love if he was back. Uh, he seems to like him quite a bit. And uh, you know, honestly, uh, to be not as funny, uh, Plumley. I can't imagine getting a huge deal anywhere. So if like the Nuggets want to give him some money to come back, like that won't surprise me for sure. It sounds like that might happen. <laughs> there's like there's like 15 centers available this summer, and they're all basically as good as Plumlee. You know, there's a bunch of guys that they don't get you like really excited, but they're solid. And and so I don't know that Plumlee's going to get big big offers anywhere. And I wouldn't be surprised if he signed a one-year bet just back with Denver. That's That sounds about right. And the other guy I have to ask you about is Tory Craig, who is one of the elder statesman restricted guys. There's a couple of them this some, yeah. this uh, offseason that are like going to be 30. And uh, Brad Wanamaker is <coughs> another one of these that's like a pretty old guy who has under, under team control. Uh do they? I mean, it seems like they like Torrey Craig a little bit. Um, he was on my list, uh, my long list anyway, my extended list of Hawks potential like two-way wing kind of guys for cheap. Uh, is yeah. he going to stick around? You think? I wouldn't call him a two-way though. That's yeah, the one thing he's about really, he's really one way. <laughs> he's a really a defensive player, and he has some like elite defensive tools. And offensively, I think he has a little bit to him, especially for a younger team that's maybe trying to rebuild. He 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 works there, but he's not going to you know, be dynamic. He's not going to run pick and rolls or anything like that. He'll knock no. down 33% of his spot up threes and, and, and that's about it. But here's Tory Craig's interesting. in with what we're talking about with Jeremy Grant, I think Tory Craig is a good role player. I don't think he fits with Denver. And that's the, and that's one of the problems is on another team. I do think he would be really good and maybe a little bit more narrow. You know, Denver loves to run those dribble handoffs and to do that, you have to have players that are able to do that. And he just can't at a high level. So he doesn't work as well. But if you have a pick and roll point guard, like a Trey young, maybe he, his job is a lot easier because he's not asked to create offense on that end of the floor. And he is such a great defender, especially against guards that, um, you know, he has a lot of value. So to me, I, I, when you ask me if Denver's going to bring him back, I think that the front office cannot bring him back. I think Michael Malone would love to have him. 
every coach has one of these guys who are your safety blanket guy, your security blanket guys. That was him. There's a reason Michael Porter didn't play a lot of minutes until Denver absolutely needed him in the playoffs inside the bubble and he wasn't ready for it. And that was because throughout the season, November, December, Nuggets, things things would get a little bit tight. Malone would put Torrey Craig back out there and it just took away from the development. So I think next year, if they brought Torrey Craig back, Michael Malone 100% is going to play him <laughs> way more minutes than he needs to play. And it just, I think it would be a real, um, I think it would be a bad thing for Denver. So I, I suspect he will not return. But by the way, nominated for that award I didn't even know existed, the Teammate of the Year Award. So he, a fantastic teammate, plays incredibly hard. Um, good dude. I just don't think he fits with Denver. Yeah, if he didn't get the qualifying offer and was just free to walk, I think the Hawks should at least explore that um, for cheap. Not going to give him a lot of money, but a guy who could provide some depth and play some defense, and the Hawks need that. So that's why he was on my list originally. I would not give him big money by any means, but someone to right, at least right. at least keep an eye on now that you've said that he might not be back in Denver. Uh, all one right, one thing ahead. I'll say about him, I'm lower on him than most people, and I talk to a lot of the scouts that come in, you know, to Denver to their well, back in the day when we can go to the arena. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I would talk to those guys, and they all love Tory Craig. Like, so basketball scouts seem to really enjoy what he does defensively. Yeah, I've always kind of liked him uh, on that end of the floor, especially and given where the Hawks are, they could just use more of that. I think, but again, not not a priority guy by any means. Uh, I think we've covered some ground here. I told you I was not going to keep you very long, um, so I'll, I'm going to let you uh, rock and roll here. But uh, like, I, like I said before in the intro, uh, you are the host of the Locked on Nuggets podcast. This is some, something of a crossover as a result of that. Uh, please plug that. I know you have other ventures going on as well, so please share where people can find your work during this uh, offseason that you've now joined us for. Well, I speak almost directly to Nuggets fans, so this just goes to people that, that's that are okay. interested in Nuggets content. But yeah, Locked on Nuggets, and then of course DNVR, Venture. Our, our digital media media venture out here. If you ever want to check out any of the stuff we're doing, you can check out uh, the dnvr.com. Crossovers are good. And uh, I know I like to listen occasionally to the other Locked On podcasts, even if they're not uh, pretending. I mean, granted, uh, I cover the, uh, the league more broadly than a lot of Hawks fans would be paying attention to it. But I think it's good <laughs> to hear other perspectives on things. So uh, totally. crossover stuff is good. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on, man, uh, and carving out the time. And I think... To wrap things up, uh, we'll probably see none of the guys we, that we discussed on the Hawks next year, but that, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that that's part of the fun of free agency previews and stuff like that. So, uh, but thanks again, Adam, for coming on, man. Thanks so much, buddy. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast, and we'll see you next time.